Hey, Trojan fans, I want to tell you about Robinhood. It's an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence, simple and intuitive, clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. What I like best about Robinhood is you can learn by doing. You learn how to invest as you build your portfolio. You can discover new stocks, track your favorite companies with a personalized news feed, and there's custom notifications for price movement so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving our listeners a free stock right now, like Apple, Ford, or Sprint, to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at uscfootball.robinhood.com. That's uscfootball.robinhood.com. I've got the Robinhood app on my phone. I love to use it. I think you're going to like it too. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football with the coach, Harvey Hyde, former head coach at UNLV, Pasadena City College. Coach a lot of great football players over the years. We always love talking to him every week about what he sees on this USC football team. It's going to be an interesting week. With the early signing period coming up at the end of the week, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Talk about some of the hires USC's made. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us. Let us know who you want the question to go to. If it's a coach, Harvey Hyde, if it's myself, Dan Weber, whatever, email it. Podcast at uscfootball.com. we got a bunch of emails we're going to get to that you sent to the coach. You could also text us or leave us a voicemail at 424 254 9141. That's our number, 424 254. 9141. Uh, we got, I think, a couple texts. We got a voicemail. We're going to get to so a lot of different uh, questions we want to address today. And we're going to do it with the coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com, to get information about the coach and what he thinks. And what's going on, coach? We're ready to pick your brain again today. Well, everything's great. I'll tell you, I haven't uh, really gone uh, holiday shopping yet. But I got the trees up, and we got the lights on the house, and we're watching some bowl games. And uh, it's really great to talk to friends and visit friends that you see maybe once a year or, or twice a year in different families and enjoy the holiday season. So I want to wish everybody out there a happy holiday season. And for USC, I hope that uh, Santa brings them all the top football high school and junior college players in the country. So uh, because you're only as good as the horse you ride on. And I always say that if you have a great horse and you got the top jockey, then you become the favorite. But uh, if you don't match that up the same way, well, you're really in trouble because you're only as good as what surrounds you. So, Ryan, happy holidays to you, your family, and everyone out there. And thank you for listening. Yeah, happy holidays to you too, Coach, and your family and everyone, all of our Peristyle Podcast listeners. Before we jump into the show, I wanted to let everyone know Southern California tickets still a great way. To get tickets here in Southern California or across the country, because they have a website, SoCalTix.com, you can go there or call them toll-free, 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for 
anything should be an interesting NFL race. I think the games this weekend, Coach, some like 13 or 14 of the 16 games have playoff implications. So big week in uh, in the NFL. Of course, the Los Angeles teams, uh, both doing pretty well. Obviously, the Rams uh, lost last night, but the uh, Chargers have, have been winning, and uh, both of them are in the playoffs. So some really good teams here in, in Southern California. But across the country, too, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on in the NFL, the NBA, NHL, all that kind of stuff. If you need tickets for any of that, you can go to Southern California Tickets. Tell Curtis the coach sent you, and they will take care of you. Uh, coach, so this is kind of interesting with what's going on right now. The early signing period, like I, th- I said, starts on Wednesday. Uh, that's December 19th. So it's a little different the last couple of years. You can sign early. You don't have to, and it's a period. It's not like one day. Um, so the, the 19th through the 21st, I believe it is, I believe it's a three day window, but what we've seen, the trend is this is where the majority of the players are signing. Um, the last couple of years we've seen USC sign some guys on signing day. So get some big name, uh, players to sign that day. But, you know, across the country, we've seen, this is the big day. Now this is the big time. And it's a weird time because you're, you know, a lot of teams are still preparing for bowls. Um, you know, the holidays, there's a lot going on for these coaches. Um, you know, you, when you were coaching, you never had this early signing period like this. What have you seen so far, like how this has impacted the, the game of college football? Cause this really has changed a lot in the last couple of years. We've seen this. No, I really think it has. Uh, I, I've always felt with this early signing period, it's just too much going on at one time. You're preparing for a bowl game or a conference championship, uh, bowl game or, or whatever, and you're out there recruiting, making home visits, and there's only so much you can do in a 24-hour period. It's really difficult, and a lot of the high school uh, players are playing in CIF championship games or state championship games and so on, and really it's hard to stay focused on everything you're supposed to do. You'll have a Friday practice, and that night you fly off somewhere to watch a kid play, and then you fly back the next morning and practice again. It, it's really a lot. I, I, I think some of the coaches like it. I think the established programs really like it. Like last year, had a chance to talk to Kirby Smart at the Laurie's Beef Bowl. And uh, I was sitting with him and talking to him. I said, well, coach, how did you do in the early signing period? And he just said, hey, coach, we're done. We've signed all our players. We're all done. Our recruiting is finished for the entire year. And he had one of the top recruiting classes in the country. Alabama, these schools with the established programs, Ohio State and so on, they finish. Uh, I mean, they might have one or two left over somehow. Someone doesn't qualify to get in or something, but I think the established programs really like it. They like having the kids come to their bowl game practices. They like the tradition of where we're playing and where we have played and all the above. So, you know, like the Las Vegas Bowl this past weekend, Fresno State had a Big victory over Arizona State. I know Arizona State had a great commit as far as on Thursday before that, the Elkhorn quarterback being recruited by UCLA and Utah and all these different schools committed to Arizona State. So they're on a roll. They've got three top quarterbacks coming in this next year, Herm Edwards. So all of this improvement in bowl games really make a difference in your recruiting. And the early signing period really assists the programs that are really established because they know who they're getting. And they can focus on, excuse me, other areas of their program rather than scrambling around and and they've lost players and now they got to go to another level as far as a, a player that they have to forecast rather than a player that can come in and start for them 
or maybe get a couple of junior college players because they didn't get the players that they were expecting to get. So, you know, I, I think, and if you don't have a staff in place, like USC hasn't had a staff in place, it makes it doubly difficult because you have less coaches on the road and less coaches evaluating, and uh, the kids really aren't sure who their coaches are. Yeah, the, the coaching aspect is um, is interesting because it's really, I think besides, you know, you have the ball practice, everything to, to get ready for, this is kind of the hiring, firing season uh, for a lot of programs, especially if you're not in a bowl game, you might be looking for new coaches. And for USC, they still, you know, we, you know, they've, they've um, signed three, uh, you know, that we know of. And then, you know, there's rumors of a couple others, but we haven't, they still have not filled out the entire class. And you're talking about signing day or the entire coaching staff and signing day is just a couple of days away. Um, I, so I, I mean, that's changed a lot too. You can't wait if you wanted to make a firing, uh, later on after Christmas or something, I don't think athletic directors can do anything like that right now. It's, it's really, uh, changed the timeline. It's like, it's, it's like this catalyst for making things happen faster. And maybe you see more coaches getting fired with a couple games left, like what we saw, you know, at Colorado with Mike McIntyre, just so they can get ahead of of uh, of this, because if you wait too long, then it's you could really screw up the recruiting class. Where many of the players that you look at will be gone, signed, and then you can't recover in February like you could before if if a, a coach was fired late December or even January. No, I agree, hundred uh, percent. If you're going to make a coaching change, it's good to do it early. It's good to do it with uh, two games to go left of the season and have an interim coach, and that allows that coach and his staff to understand who's going to be around. But coaches, if they're not sure, too, if they're going to be here or not be there, they make the first call of the day to find out what's going on places because they're insecure, too. They want to make sure they have a coaching uh, position for the coming year. So rather than focus on what they're supposed to be focusing on, they're working on other things. If you make a commitment and say, Two weeks. Uh, uh, let's use the SC, uh, USC situation. If right after the Arizona State game, not Arizona State game, or the UCLA game, a statement came out from Lynn Saad, hey, coach is coming back. This is the way it is. We'll announce who's coming back on Monday as far as after the Notre Dame game, as far as assistant coaches. Boom. Everybody knows what's going on. It's not this period of time that just lingers along now they came up and they did mention that coach clay helton was coming back okay stay strong on that don't send the letter out just say one paragraph we decided to keep clay helton these coaches are gone which they didn't do uh they did later and uh have ready already coach is working on who's going to replace these guys and you have commitments of people you know that's going to come and you start filling those positions immediately so these people can get there, too, and start recruiting. Because you can't have downtime. Every minute uh, you've got to be uh, utilizing your time as far as uh, recruiting and practicing and doing the things that are necessary. And in the situation of USC, as we mentioned last week, their first six opponents are practicing. Now, Fresno State is through. They won 31-20. They beat Arizona State their second Pac-12 uh, game of the year, and they got a bowl game the first game of the year against USC. You don't think that's going to be a bowl game for Fresno State in the renovated Coliseum? And everybody from Fresno drives right on down the freeway to L.A. and back the same day? I'm going to tell you, those people are fired up, and USC uh, 
Not that they're not out there recruiting and working, but they still haven't definitely come out and said who's coaching the offensive line. I'm assuming it's draft no because, but make some definite decisions. I mean, say this is it and this is that and this is this and and this is the secondary coach and this is the way we're breaking it down and move on. You've got to move. You've got to be able to make decisions, just like calling a play and uh, have a plan and uh, get it done. And, and it still hasn't reached that stage yet. I don't think the architect is through in designing the building. I think that's a good way to put it, Coach. Um, and we, you know, I know we talked in the last episode about Cliff Kingsbury uh, being hired. So, you know, everyone knows about that. Actually, he did an interview. We haven't got to talk to him yet. He did an interview uh, on Dan Patrick's show. Uh, on Monday morning, I put up some notes up on uscfootball.com of what he said. Didn't sound like, I know there's reports of him, maybe, you know, maybe getting an NFL job. From what he said, it, at least it didn't sound like he was uh, planning on going anywhere. But this that's up there on uscfootball.com if you want to check it out. But there was two other coaches that were hired. Um, so the running back coach, Mike Jenks, who's the former head coach at Bowling Green. He was fired, I think, in the middle of 2018 season. But he coached with Cliff Kingsbury. And uh, coached uh, running backs at at Texas Tech before, so there's a, you know, they're familiar with each other, obviously. And then um, a coach, a defensive line coach, who's kind of bounced around a little bit, you know, places like Utah and Wisconsin, Oregon State, most recently at Boise State. It's Chad. Hope I get it right. Kauhaaha, uh, and uh, it's uh, you know, we call him Chad K if you want. But two coaches that were announced, um, you know, by USC last week. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts uh, on USC picking those two guys out. Well, you know, I think it was uh, a good decision to get somebody that had coached uh, with uh, Coach uh, Kingsbury. I, I really think that's important because he knows exactly the offense, what he wants, to, what he wants done with the offensive backs, and so on. I think it's also uh, a good thing they hired somebody that knows the state of Texas. Because right now, you know, in Texas, I don't know just how happy, except where you know, came out of Texas, they're happy about him. But Levi Jones, a great player like him, uh, left the program. So you've got to heal some wounds there. And Texas is coming into California as well as other schools and recruiting California players. And uh, this coach has been a high school coach, has done very well, knows the coaches in Texas. So uh, I think that's a good hire, and I know nothing about him, so I don't know him personally or how good of a recruiter he is or anything. And because he got fired at Bowling Green doesn't doesn't concern me at all, but sometimes uh, great coordinators aren't great head coaches, okay? And maybe as, uh, as a coordinator and as a running back coach, he's fabulous. So I don't know much about anything else but that. As far as the defensive line coach, I know that a lot of people have uh, fought hard to get him. Uh, I know that he's uh, a Polynesian or Samoan. I think that's very important, too. He's coached high school football, which I like. I think a guy's got to be able to coach high school football to have the respect of high school coaches because they, they know that they, too, could have an opportunity of becoming who they are. He coached in Hawaii, which I think is great because he has a lot of ties there. And recently, you know, USC's doing a lot of recruiting there as well as everybody else, so that you give them a little bit of an advantage. In Utah, too, uh, USC recruits hard in Utah, and he's recruited and coached in Utah, so I think that's good. And I think he's coached at Wisconsin, where they play good football. He's been in the big time with the lights on. And uh, and I think that I what I hear, and I don't know him, 
Uh, you know, he's coaching at Boise State, and he still has a bowl game there. But he's a hard-nosed guy, and I think that uh, uh, a lot of the Polynesian players on the team will respect him, and I think that he'll have a great relationship with them. But I want to hear on the field. I want to hear on the field. I want to hear authority on the defensive side of the football. I don't hear authority on the defensive side of the football. What I mean, uh, normally you play angry on, on defense. You fly around. You hear voices. You, you make commands. You, you make a lot of noise. And really, Clancy's not that type of coach. Bradford wasn't that type of coach. Nice Nason's not that type of coach. Nobody on the defensive side of the football is vocal. Well, you hear his voice and say, oh, he's mad. Look out. And uh, I think they've got to have one of those. Now, I'm not sure if they're going to hire the Oregon State defensive back field coach or not. He's been there before Burns. He, he replaced Dwayne Walker when Walker left and went to the Giants. So uh, I, I don't know what's, what's happening there, but you've got to make decisions and make them clear. But you've got to have some type of loudness and authority on the defensive side of football. I haven't heard that. And same as the offensive line coach, whoever that may be. There there hasn't been any really enforcers. What I mean by that, when you're at practice, you know who that person is. Or if he does room check, you're in your room. Because if you're not in the room, the whole hotel, the guests, and everybody will be calling the front desk saying, what's happening on floor five? Because you've got to have some of that. And right now, I don't feel, now this is my opinion, everyone, including USC, if you're listening. My opinion is, I didn't see any enforcers, and I didn't see that type of personality coaching. So I'd like to see that. So I'll wait and see when spring practice starts. All right, Coach. Uh, cool stuff. Let's see. So that's uh, kind of the coaching stuff, the uh, early signing period. There should be a um, press conference. We don't know exact time, but sometime early afternoon at USC about the early signing periods. So we'll be down there for that. We're also planning on doing a live show, uh, Tunnel Vision uh, Wednesday evening, we'll get Gerard Martinez to come down to the studio and talk about the, the players that USC signed. So that should all be very interesting. So make sure you check out uscfootball.com. On Wednesday for that, it will be a big day. Uh, but we want to get some questions, too. We had some people write in and call in some questions. So I'll play you um, this one first, Coach, and get your thoughts. Here you go. Hey, Ryan. <clears throat> I heard the show with um, the coach um, – Hi, talking about um, our uh, new offensive coordinator. Uh, he kind of compared the hype to the JT Daniels hype. They are not comparable. JT Daniels is coming out of high school. I don't care if he is the best player in high school. He hasn't done anything at the college level. This is an offensive coordinator who's just coming from being a head coach who has had success on the offensive side of the ball as a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator. It's a proven fact. You you can argue the stats all you want. All he's had is offensive success. He's not a great head coach, and that is not what we got him for. Uh, the, the hype should be the way that it is because SC is hiring former head coaches to be assistants like it should have been in the first place. We should be happy that Kingsbury is going to be our offensive coordinator and quarterback coach because of his track record. That's all you have to go on is the resume of a person. 
I'm sure the coach would agree with that. Absolutely. And thank you very much for uh, bringing that up because I didn't want to be misinterpreted uh, by what I was saying. I'm not questioning the coaching ability at all of Kingsbury. I think he's a great hire. What I was questioning was JT Daniels came in with all this big hype, 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 and people expected so much. And the same thing, I don't think, I think you're better the low-key things and then be good rather than high-key things and then don't reach that. So I'm just saying it's better to sometimes not have, you know you have a great recruiting class, but don't publicize it. Uh, because uh, when you have too many great recruiting classes and you don't win, then people think it's the coaches and not the players. I think it's a combination always. But you're exactly right. I think this gentleman has the credentials. He's coached some great players. Now we've got to be able to see if he can take this type of talent that currently is at quarterback uh, position for USC. And, uh, you know, if you talk about his past players that he's had, Mahoney's and Baker Mayfield and, and Johnny Manziel, they're all very athletic type of quarterbacks. They move around. They can run. They can throw on the run. They're playmakers. They're leaders. And they, they, you know, they run quarterback draws. They run a lot of different things to make this a wide-open offense. So now you've got to be able to take this personnel and see if that can adapt to what he does. Because you've got to have the personnel to run the type of offense that he is employing now at USC. So that's all important to do, and I'm not sure, but I think he'll probably bring two quarterbacks in this this spring uh, because of that. He wants to have somebody who can do that. I'll tell you a guy that can do the type of offense uh, that he runs, this kid young at modern day. I mean, he's athletic. He runs around. He makes plays. You know, uh, He's a year away, but this is the type of excitement I think that fits uh, Cliff Kingsbury's offense, and and I'm not saying these guys can't, but I certainly hope that they open it up and uh, see just exactly what these kids can do. Because you got to be able to take a hit. If you watch his quarterbacks, they run around, they get hit, they run draws on third and long, and goal line situations, he run draws, spread the field. Because when you spread the field and you're covering everybody for receivers, obviously your quarterback is the running back and the quarterback. So you've got to be able to utilize that, too. So we'll wait and see what happens. And uh, I won't get into recruiting now, but there are some questions I have in that, too. But absolutely, you are right on with your question and your evaluation, and uh, we'll continue. I I thank you for bringing that up so I can clarify that. Yeah, thanks, Curtis. And uh, Coach was talking about Bryce Young, uh, 2020 uh, quarterback. Commit for USC. Um, We had a text message, Coach, speaking of modern day. To all the fans worried about USC running the air raid with JT, the kid ran it for three years at Modern Day. The kid's going to throw for three thousand next year. Go Monarchs! I actually think uh, I think he probably throws for four thousand yards next year. <laughs> that's that's my guess. But what do you think, Coach? <laughs> well, for an SC fan and all you fans out there, now we went three thousand, four thousand. Let's go five thousand. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let's do as many as he can. And let's say that the team rushes to for 20 touchdowns, 30 touchdowns and all of the above, because we're building the offense up to be that type of excitement. So see, that's what I was talking about earlier. You've got to be able not to build it up too much so that you can never reach your goal. You've got to be able to reach your goal plus some. 
Uh, but the, remember, the stats aren't the name of the game. It's the score of the game. Yeah. You've got to be able to win football games. And you've got to do whatever it takes to win football games, which is all the areas of, of the game as far as the different positions of the field, the defense, the, the type of defense, the opponent you're playing, uh, do you, how you match up. Will you be able to stop the run of teams that run the ball against you but you never practice against it? Because the, the USC defense will not be practicing against a run D offense anymore. So, uh, but they do run the football, but it's a different type of offense. The run comes off of the pass, and it's very explosive. So you've got to look at all the other areas, too, that you've got to uh, sort of uh, uh, make happen in order to make you have a complete football team. Agree with you there, Coach. Um, we got one from Patrick in Huntington Beach. Uh, email. He said, when staff such as USC has failed to bring good practice habits to the practice field the last few years and makes no, uh, it makes changes to some of the coaching staff that USC has done, but who's in charge of changing those habits for future practices? Does the offensive coordinator change things to his style or does the current head coach have to say as far as practice intensity, tempo, and how many days practice, etc.? Do you think with a new offensive coordinator that we can expect those changes to be made? Thank you in advance for answering the questions. Fight on, Patrick in Huntington Beach. Well, Patrick, all the responsibilities fall under the head football coach. He's responsible for everything, and uh, he's got to be made responsible for everything on the offensive side, the defensive side, special teams, and everything, okay? Uh, so uh, he's the one that approves the type of practices. He's the one that listens to the suggestions of the staff. He's the one that uh, communicates uh, with meetings with other football coaches around the country that he respects and who are his friends on what they do. And then he utilizes his uh, knowledge of the game and what he thinks best fits and uh, does that. Uh, like I say, every year the main thing you do is evaluate yourself first. What must I get better at? What what we get better at? I think uh, most people read about what Brian Kelly did with his football team after he had that lean year down at Notre Dame, he found, uh, held, uh, passed out a, a questionnaire, and it was anonymous. You didn't put your name on it or anything. Is how, what are we doing wrong at Notre Dame? Why aren't we winning? What am I doing wrong? And all of that. And he let the players write exactly down what they thought, exactly what they thought was wrong, not what was right. And he took all those questionnaires and read them all, and made some changes in the areas the players didn't think were right. So, you know, you've got your own way of doing things, and you've got to be able to do what works for you. Remember, you're the head football coach, and like I always say in my staff, you can suggest anything, and you can vote on anything, but there's only one vote that counts, and that's mine. And I used to tell assistant coaches of mine who became head football coaches, remember, they hired you for a reason. Don't change. They like who you are and what you do. So make sure you do it your way, but you don't get many opportunities to be a head football coach on the Division One level. No, 100% agree there. It's uh, That's the ultimate veto power, Coach. But, you, you know, I'm curious to see, I mean, specifically he wants to, he wants to see USC's practice, practice uh, habits improve. I do think practices will change because of the way Cliff Kingsbury runs his offense. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of those periods he controls change. But as far as like 
if he comes in and says, hey, you know, we used to do, I, I don't know if he did this or whatever, but if he said, hey, we used to have two days in full pads. Um, and one of the days we used to do uh, goal line stuff or whatever, because we, you know, we're a spread team. We want to instill some toughness in practice um, because, you know, we're, we're, you know, that's, that's really not the offense we run, but we want, there's going to be situations like that. So we do a period every week or whatever. So say he had something like that to say, then it's going to be up to Clay Helton to say, okay, let's incorporate that or no, that's not how we do things. Right. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. You're exactly right. That's the things you talk about, but the coordinator comes to you and says, Coach, this is what I got to have. If you want me to run our offense and, and be who we're supposed to be with an identity, this is what I need, okay? I need this type of week of practice. I need this on Monday, this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday, this on Thursday. And you got to give it to me because now you make the final call, but if, you, if I can't get it done and it's not working in the game, well, then, you know, you didn't give me the time to fix it. So, yes, coordinators should have that time, and that's a statement. Because right now the eyes are on Cliff, so don't handcuff him, for God's sake. Let him use his talent and let him develop what you hired him for. Don't tell him what to do now after you hire him because he has an expertise in something. Now, I think what Clay Helton can do in the practices, I think the practices at USC are too loose. They're loose. When you hit the field, it isn't like a, whoo. Man, I'll tell you what, get your helmet on and buckle it up. I think it's a little loose in the in the stretching. I think it's a little loose in the agilities and warm-ups. I think they need changes in all of that. I've seen the same warm-ups on the same field and the same agility drills and the same positioning of players since Pete Carroll was there. I think there's time for change in all of that. I think the players need a change in that. I need to see I think they need to see Clay Helton in a tower. I think they need to see some changes in the program that they, hey, this is different. I think those type of things are important as far as coaches wearing the proper uniforms. You know who the head coach is. You know who the assistants are. You know who the trainers are. You know who the equipment guys are. But they have a certain uniform that they wear the entire time. You can pick them out. And uh, same with the sports information department or whatever. But I think there needs to be some changes that way, and I think practice is a little loose. And I think the same thing has been going on just a little bit too long. I mean, I know what time to get to practice, but they know already what they're going to do at the first part of practice, and I don't want to see it, okay? <laughs> now, now, I don't know if you feel that way, Ryan, but I already know that. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so you know, why don't we uh, change some things so the kids see that something's different, too? in the practices and the warms-ups and the uniforms, the coaches' dress, in everything we do. So that's just my suggestion. No, and I agree with you, Coach. I've, I've talked about this a while, that sometimes you just have to change things up. And you've, you've mentioned this uh, back when you were a head coach where it's just, you know, if there's a routine every day, I think there's something to be said for having a routine and players know what to expect. But if you don't like the way something was happening – changing the routine would make a lot of sense and doing like, Hey, we don't like the way we were tackling. So you're going to do something different this week as far as tackling goes. And I think uh, shotgun Spratling brought up something interesting in our tunnel vision show on uh, Thursday night. Yeah. That, that Steve Sarkeesian was actually pretty good at doing that. Like if there was something bad that happened in a game, 
he would have like the singular focus and practice on that the next the next week. So you at least would see, okay, they had a problem doing whatever. Uh, you know, the tight ends were dropping balls. So like there was going to be a big emphasis on practice that week. Um, it, I, that's what's weird. I think some of the fans get concerned with Clay Hilton is you're not seeing that kind of anything change. It's like the same thing. Here's what we do. We're going to do it again. And I don't care what happened in the game. This is what we do. You know what I'm talking about? Certainly, I know what you're talking about. I, I mean, the stretching portion of it, it's really a, you know, everybody's talking and just barely stretching. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I mean, I like discipline in everything you do on a practice field. From stretching to running plays to conditioning to everything you do, it's all it's business. You don't fool around in the office. You work when you're on the, in, in wherever you, whatever you're doing. I mean, the way I, I'm just throwing these out. People could tell me, tell me they don't want to hear this stuff. Okay. But, and I'm not saying my way is the only way, but I'm saying when you hit the field, you know exactly where you went and you had, and you were there for a purpose. There wasn't talking. There wasn't any BS or anything. You were there to work. Okay. And you kept your helmet on unless I told you to take your helmet off. And then when we went to stretching and we stretched right in front of everybody where they could see it. So you could see the players up close. And the offense and defense weren't mixed up. The defensive line, we had the rows were white jersey, red jersey, white jersey, red jersey, right jersey, red jersey, all the way across. So at the start of practice, an offensive player worked with a defensive player to make him better, to get him ready for business, to get him stretched out. He had a chance to stretch a guy that he was going to go against, to get him ready for his job. And know that they're a team. It's not an offense. It's not a defense. It's us. And when it was time to switch in the stretching, it wasn't just get up, switch. It was ready, switch. And the whole group would move and sit down the next group. All in order, just like a snap count or getting off the football. So everything was disciplined. And then from that, whatever we went to was the same way in every drill. When my coaches, I'd walk around and watch them teach. When my coach taught one guy, the other 10 that were in line were watching that and learning that. So by the time they walked up there to hit their turn, they weren't going to make the same mistake because he coached one guy and the other nine heard it. It wasn't in such a rush that next guy, next guy, next guy, next guy. He made sure, I wanted to make sure that they all learned from what he was telling that guy. So they aren't going to come up, and I'm going to have to tell that guy the same thing again. If I looked in the back of the line and two guys were talking, I'd say, stop this drill. Get up there and tell everybody what you were talking about. It's so damn important. Because you pay attention when you're on a practice field, and you don't get distracted. Because one guy can teach 11 guys if they're paying attention. Now, that's just, that's just my way of doing things, okay? And I don't think practices can be loose. Because games aren't loose. And you've got to be able to be disciplined in everything you do. We had one last one. Well, Eric and Rosemead texted in. He was like, I know Clancy Pendergast is going to be the defensive coordinator. But he wants like a hypothetically who you replace him with. We're not we're not getting into that, Eric. Sorry, that's not uh <laughs> we're not hypothetically replacing uh coaches where there's no position open there. Um but we had a last emails from Bob. 
He said, Coach, I respect and have agreed with most of your comments on USC football over the years. However, you made an analogy referring to Clay Helton as the engine of our car. In respects uh, to not firing him and retaining him, here's the issue. It doesn't matter if Clay Helton is a 426 Hemi engine that drives our car or if the engine has a two-barrel carburetor on top of the intake, meaning Coach Helton has only been proficient as a two-barrel carburetor and not a two-to-four-barrel carburetors. This is a lot of engine stuff. I don't know what he's talking about here. That should be feeding that the intake of that Hemi engine. If SC does well next year, it won't be because of Clay Helton's coaching abilities. It will be because other coaching factors that have changed this team. Unlike the 2014 through 2016, it was the talent that made the shortcomings of Helton's inabilities to be USC's head coach. References as follows. Cody Kessler, uh, Williams, uh, Aguilar, Darnold, Burnett, Jones, Green. You always say you're a realist. This is the reality of Coach Helton. Nicest man you'll ever want to meet, but does not have USC head coaching attributes like McKay, Robinson, Carroll. Come on, coach. It's been three years. You've seen what I've seen. You can't make a two-barrel perform like a two-four barrel. Can you? Thanks for your comments. Fight on from Bob. And I don't know what he's talking about with all the engine stuff, but maybe you do, Coach. Yeah, I do. Okay. In fact, uh, in fact, uh, you need to put a blower on it. He knows what that is. That's when you really compress everything into your carburetors and you get a lot more horsepower, okay? That's what he's talking about. And I think that's basically uh, what I was talking about. The more horsepower you have, the more powerful engine you have, and the better driver you have to have in order to perform. And that's exactly what it's all about. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to say this in a negative way, but I have to say this. I do. No one likes Clay Held more than I do as an individual and a person. But there comes a time when the, the performance of a team, uh, overcomes that you have to you can be nice, but I used to say, don't mistake kindness for weakness. You've got to be strong. You can be nice, but you've got to be strong. You've got to do what's right, and you've got to be strong in your decisions with your coaches and your players, and they got to understand that. Now, sometimes it's hard to start after you've been nice and never strong, and uh I think there's ways of showing that in different ways. And I don't know if I've told you this before on this show or other shows where you start spring practice, you start right now with a different clay Helton. And, uh, he's got to understand that, uh, it's nice to be nice, but if you're nice too much, you're not going to be around because, uh, some people don't understand that. And you need to communicate with a tone that people understand what you're talking about. Okay. And, uh, I think sometimes, uh, uh, that gets away from you where you're not really communicating with your staff or your players. My players always understood what I was trying to tell them. And I didn't always tell them that in public. Okay. And I didn't always tell them that, uh, when anybody in the room, sometimes just me, but I wanted to make sure they understood what I was thinking and what I saw and felt. And don't think the coaches didn't have the same type of meeting with me also. I remember one incident I threw every coach off the football field in practice. And I coached the entire team. 
that gave a message to the team that, hey, no one is not replaceable. I didn't think our practice was well. I remember we went to the bowl game in Cal- at the California Bowl. We had a practice in the morning. It was so bad, so bad, the practice that I, we had an event we had to go to in the afternoon that we didn't have to go to. It wasn't like it was something that we were supposed to enjoy, you know, like driving race cars or something. And I said, we're not going to that because you wasted the practice. We're going back and practicing again. And we went back in the afternoon. We had the entire same practice over. Randall Cunningham, uh, Randall Cunningham couldn't even throw an out route. The ball was bouncing in the ground. And I said, what is going on here? It just said uh, the focus wasn't there. So you've got to know and read your players and know exactly what's going on. I know the bowl game is supposed to be a bonus, but, hey, the bonus to me is get a W and wear a ring around. That means something. And uh, you can talk about you know, the memories of that. So, you know, I don't want to ramble and ramble, but I'm just telling you exactly the way I feel. All right, Coach. Well, good stuff. Uh, Great to uh, catch up with you before the early signing period. We'll have to – I'm going to be traveling, so we'll figure out the the Peristyle podcast uh, schedule going forward, but I will be uh, out of town for, like, the Christmas week. But we'll figure out what we're going to do for future shows and stuff. But glad we got to talk to you then. I'm sure we'll, you know, get your thoughts after USC signs a bunch of players and – See what you think about those guys. Good. I'm really looking forward to it. And also, if you're planning on going to the Rose Bowl or the Rose Parade, Southern California tickets have great seats for that, too. That's where I go and get my tickets. And I haven't missed a a game in, I don't know, 20, 25 years. So uh, make sure that you give them a call. And, Ryan, you give them the number and, and tell them the old coach told you to call. Who knows? You might, instead of being on the 50, you might be on the 10. No, I mean the other way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, uh, yeah, but uh, he's got great seats, okay? Yeah, definitely. He's uh, the, the Rose Bowl headquarters guy, Curtis, over there. 1-800-888-7287 if you need uh, tickets for the Rose Bowl. All right, Coach. Great stuff. Thanks so much for coming on. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me, at Inside Troy. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We have a... Dan Weber show this week on Tuesday, then we'll kind of figure it out from there. But thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.